Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, and warehouses full of custom hoses as well. With snow being a regularity here in February, they are also your one-stop shop for anything and everything snow plows. They make snow plow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications, and they're even double-sided so they last twice as long. They custom make pretty much anything under the sun, whether it be pieces that go into bulletproof vests or things that go on the inside of wind turbine blades. So if you need something made, there's a really good chance they can get it done for you. Be sure to give them a call today for any of those snowplow needs or any other projects you're working on. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and be sure to let them know who sent you. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, and each of them carries over a thousand different varieties of beer, as well as wine and liquor of many different types as well. So you can download their app today for incredible deals and be sure to sign up for their loyalty program. Plus, if you want to get your beer delivered, they can do that for you. One of the coolest things they do is you can actually request specific types of alcohol to be purchased and brought into the store. They will go out to the manufacturers, the brewers, and pick up whatever it is you want, get it in store, let you know when it's in stock. You can come down and pick it up. That's awesome. Right? It's dope. So I recommend you do that. And again, their loyalty program will help you out with a bunch of awesome discounts. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. It is Thursday, and we are getting in some questions from our listeners. It's been a while since most of our listener shows have been more trade deadline related the past few weeks, so we figured we would answer a few. As always, for these shows, we do priority for those who ask questions on our website, thednbr.com, so make sure you put your questions there for next time. We're going to start off with a new fan. Bristol Bronco fan asks, Hi guys, this is my first time listening to the Avs podcast. Have never watched hockey before. I live in the UK and have decided to come across to your pod following a recommendation from the Broncos podcast. My question is, what is the main reason for me to get into hockey and follow the Avs? Well, I think you picked a very good time to start following the Avs specifically. I'll put it that way. Yeah, this would kind of be like picking up your fandom, uh, your Broncos fandom, right after they signed Peyton Manning. Yeah, fairly similar situation. Hey, this is a really good time to get going. Hockey's a great sport. Uh, It can be a little daunting to try and figure out all the nuance of it. Uh, It's a controlled chaos when you're watching it. Um, Coming from a football fan's perspective, it's not quite the same as a... uh, uh, stop and and run a play and start and you know it's it's a lot more fluid and it's fun honestly it's I mean you ask any hockey fan why they like it and speed of the game always comes up it's one of those things that always appeals to to hockey fans and you know getting on board with the abs right now it's not there isn't a better time uh, they've they have been building towards this for a very long time and they uh. For my money, they're the best team in Denver. I would agree. They are also one of the fastest teams in the NHL right now as yeah. a whole. So very high octane, very fun to watch, have the potential to 
well, I, over the next couple of years, win it all, I would say. Um, they have all-star talents like Nathan McKinnon. They have some of the best young rookies in the league and Kale McCarr. Extremely well built and put together as, as well. So if you like hockey, you're going to like the Avs, I think, is is the point I'm trying to make. If, yeah. if hockey's not for you, it's not for you. That's some people, that's what it's like, fine. But the Avs are almost everything I like about hockey in the way that they play. Yeah, the uh, the style of play should certainly appeal more uh, to the to to a new observer than say like a Dallas who wants to play two one every night. Every single team in the dead puck era, basically. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, the the players are allowed to actually play hockey and, and skate and go fast and show off their skill and zoom zoom. You know, it's not Connor McDavid, but it's pretty close. So. Fun new new viewers, listeners coming in. We know it's that time of year for the abs, especially as the push for the playoffs gets going, and and that seems to get a lot of people jumping on board. So happy to have you. Glad the abs are are out there and, and making fans even across the pond. Um, Very next, cool. Yeah. Next question comes from Luke, and he asks, "Who is more of a priority to sign slash extend this summer? Grubauer, Landy, or Makar?" Uh, if they don't get Landy or Grubauer new contracts, is that considered a failure with them being unrestricted free agents at the end of the 2021 season? Mm, second question first, I would say no, it's not a failure. Uh, each guy has good reason to not sign an extension. All three of those guys have good reasons to not sign extensions this summer. Um, for me, I think the the key of those would be Makar. Get it done, and don't. I mean, I also think that could be the least likely of the three to get done is the thing, but maybe. Um, you know, last summer we didn't even we didn't even mention Sam Gerrard. Yeah, signing an extension, and it was just done, man. Like they know who they're prioritizing. They know who their core is. They know who they want on this team. They know which guys they want around. You know, I mean, JT Comfer got a four year deal. You know, and I I just don't think that they're going to be shy about making an aggressive play. And it really just comes down to Makar. If Makar is comfortable with it, there will 100% be a deal. There will not be any hedging from the ads organization. No way. Not a chance that they will stonewall those conversations and say, well, let's see what give us another year. And no, give me a break. They won't do any of that. If he's interested, they'll do whatever it takes, I think, to get a deal done. Yeah, I guess that's true. If McCarr wants to get a deal done, I'm so used to those younger kids, especially wanting to play it out and and bet on themselves for the most part. And, you know, certainly given the injury McCarr had this season, there might be something to that. But you'd give him eight million. I think I would give him eight million for the next eight years today. So I'd give him ten. There you go. I wouldn't I, even mess around with it, man. Um, I am so convinced he's going to be a special talent and elite defenseman that uh, if if the Avs rolled in and said, "Hey, we'll give you we'll give you ten million over eight years," uh, and that's what he was interested in, great. Um, if if you know the 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 reason we started eight is because of the Thomas Shabbat contract, and that kind of sets that second yeah. contract market. Uh, the other the other consideration might be whatever Quinn Hughes does. That's true. The two are tied together. It's just the reality of they're the most comparable two players that are going to be stepping into that next contract. So one's going to set the market for the other in many ways on whoever signs first. Right, and they're both in the same situation um, where they they each had a year their ELC burned last season, yep. uh, and they are e- eligible for the long term contract this summer. So I think <clears throat> I think that's a consideration, but I also think that there's better value in whichever one of them gets to it first, uh, Vancouver or Colorado, because if 
if Hughes wins, Hughes wins the Calder, and it's definitely trending in that direction right now. Um, and he signs for say nine, then you might be able to get Makar at eight point eight. Right. So now, if he just says give me nine, then you would just you give just him nine. Like, yeah, I mean, that, for sure. You're not you're not gonna tinker with a hundred thousand dollars here or there with Kale McCarr's long term contract. If he's willing to give you a seven or eight year deal, you just do it, man. Yeah. Um name your price, basically, is where it's at. Yeah. And- absolutely. And then when it comes to the other two, Landis Gog, Grubauer, Grubauer especially, I would not. If I was him, I would I would not pursue an extension. Um, just because right now, I mean, he's in the process of losing his job. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, right now where we sit today as hostages of the moment, Pablo Francois has played excellent and we don't know where we don't, we don't know when Grubauer is coming back. You fast forward two more weeks of Francois playing like this. Grubauer comes back. You can't, just give the job back to Grubauer. I mean, I think the Avs might anyway. I I just don't I I don't think it's how Bednar's going to operate. Um, I think they want Gruby to be the guy, but if Frankie's just playing out of his mind, you just let him do it, man. You do, but also playing a team like Carolina tomorrow will be pretty telling of where Frankie actually is. I well, think. And- there's going to be tougher challenges. Like granted, you know, we, we, (laughs) we're talking about, uh, he's had, he's had a fantastic week ignoring the Tampa Bay game. Um, he had a fantastic week against the, the Islanders, the ducks, the Kings and the Sabres. So not juggernauts of the NHL, you know, the Islanders are a good team, but they're not a good offense. Um, there's, you know, and, and even with the Hurricanes, like, they've got the Red Wings coming up. So you're not expecting, like, a super tough, hard push. Yeah, yeah like, it doesn't get, like, impossible, you know. It, Hurricanes should be a good game, but then they go right back in. They have the Ducks again, and then they have Vancouver, which will be a tough game in Vancouver. And then they have San Jose and LA at home and then uh, the Rangers. So this is not like a tough stretch where they're playing a lot of high octane offenses. They are not going to be seriously. Frankie's not going to be seriously tested. And that would be, even if he continues, if he wins the NHL's first star of the week for the next three weeks, you know, that's, that's the caveat that he did not have to play very many tough teams. And I still don't, I, I don't care if you're going to play well, you're going to play well. Like, yeah, Groovy, Groovy has been, you know, we think of him as the starter. He's, he's had the tougher road to hoe this year, but Frankie's on fire right now. You just don't mess with that, man. And with Groovy, when you talk about contract extension over the summer, you want starter money, you want starter security. And right now, I don't think the Avalanche would be willing to offer that. And they, to be honest, they shouldn't be willing to offer that given uh, the uncertainty, kind of the ups and downs that they've had with Grubauer in both of his seasons and now injury issues. Yeah, I think it's a little aggressive to be saying that right now. Like you said, if he plays the next two weeks, amazingly, Frenzos, that is. Yeah. I think that's where it becomes a conversation. Yeah, but... and like I said, like this is hostage of the moment. We're answering the question today, not two weeks from now. So Fair. You know, as it sits today... Francois has the opportunity in front of him. He will get that chance. What he does with it, we'll see. But talking about contracts and stuff, and like again, this, this is one reason why some of this is kind of silly to do in season. But this is what you guys have on your mind, this is what we're going to talk about. Uh, the the abs were they don't need to do it this summer. They're they just don't need to. Uh, I think getting Landy done just as face of the franchise so that it's not something we talk about all year next season. Just get it done. He wants to be here. They want him to be here. Just give, just give him another long-term deal. I, yeah. I think that one, I, I won't say it's a failure if it doesn't get done, but I, I don't think that it needs to linger into the season. I, they, I just can't imagine that they'd be so far, far apart on a contract that they could not find a uh, common ground. It, 
That one, I just don't worry about for the same reasons you said. If it's not done well, he wants to be here. They'll figure yeah. it out. Fine, whatever. Um, unless rumors start popping up of, of something else going on, if they do it in the off season or they do it in the middle of the year or they do it next off season, whatever, it's fine. Um, that one, it's it's a much easier spot to fill. The Grubauer one is far more interesting as a spot that, needs to be locked down. It's kind of one of the last questions on this roster of filling out and becoming a true cup contender. So, yeah. And it's the only reason we talk about it as a potential weakness, because it's just an unknown right now. Nothing is proven there. Right. Right. It's definitely a fair point. Um, Five years from now, knowing how it all plays out, we could look at, we could look back on it and be like, remember when we doubted all these things? Oh, obviously Grubauer was a starter the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, who knows, right? Like, uh, even even our doubts on Frankie's ceiling. Maybe he's just smashing right. that and raising it right now and making all of us look stupid. Right. And you we don't, don't know, know until you get there, for and sure. Especially with goaltending, it's just like you have no idea. Yep. You just got to make your best bet. Uh, we went a while on that question, so let's get to one more here really it quick. It was. Uh, Hamburglar asks... How does Bednar and the staff go about coaching Nathan McKinnon out of taking that point shot? And to be honest, I don't know that they really want to coach him out of that. But the point he's getting at is McKinnon has been taking a lot of that point shot. Evan and I talked about it the other day where it feels like he's just doing that a little bit too much. It was a play that worked at the start of the year and has stopped working. So I what do you, what do they do to to get more effective shots out of Nathan McKinnon. And yeah, is, is that tough to deal with or, or what's going on there? Um, this is a tough one because you kind of just let your superstar be your superstar. Yeah. To some extent, but also knowing that he's doing something like he's in a slump right now, but he's in a goal scoring slump. I'll say, um, right. but he's still getting points. Is it is it a goal scoring slump because it's, he's just not beating goalies right now, or is it a goal scoring slump because he's putting himself in a position where he's unlikely to beat goalies from where he's shooting? Yeah, I, what's what's the answer? He shoots ten times a game. They're not all from the point. So, you know, last night against uh, against Buffalo, he he had that point opportunity and he just walked in and he had as good a scoring chances he's had in weeks. And he just didn't he just didn't bury it. So it's not like he's not had great scoring opportunities and that, you know, eight shot attempts a game are coming from the from the point where he's just hoping. It's it's just that I think a little bit of it is that he went away from some of the things he was doing to be successful. Um because teams were defending it harder. You know, you look at the way that the power play gets defended. And teams collapse hard on him, and they make him pass the puck. They don't want him with space to pick a corner with that wrist shot. He's got a much better wrister than he does a slap shot uh, or one-timer, and that's the way teams defend him. That's what they actively are looking to take away, and that's why we saw the power play be successful last night when they played down low. They were playing through comfort behind the net, and instead of just deferring and giving it back, he was aggressively taking it towards the net, created scoring chances and ultimately a goal. So some of it is just how he's, how McKinnon is being defended. And I, I would say that they, they could, the video coach, it would be well served uh, to cut together a package of highlights, uh, a package of, of clips, not highlights, but clips of McKinnon taking that shot from the point. And them looking at the ice, them looking at bringing some of the analytics guys in and and talking about expected goals for, um, it's just how it's a low percentage shot and how when he's the last guy up high like that, he's likelier to get that shot blocked, have it kickstart an odd man rush the other way than it is to go in. And that even though that there were, you know, there's a time and a place for it. If you have an open shooting lane, that's great. But just doing it for the sake of doing it, uh, is not accomplishing anything. And I think that if if they give him all of that, you know, this is a guy that reads uh, reads up on opponents every single night 
and and knows the weaknesses of every goalie he's going against and uh, the scouting reports of all the D-men that he goes up against that he's likely to be matched against that night. So this is a dude that takes information and uses it. He weaponizes it. Give that to him is what I would say. Uh, Clip together that information, uh, put it all into a little neat package and let him either watch it or read it or however he wants to consume it. uh, And then see how he adjusts from there. Yeah. And I pretty much agree with you. Um, I do think he is overusing the point shot a little bit, but I do want to, play devil's advocate a little bit here and say, look, if McKinnon could cut to the middle of the the slot and make that amazing play every single time he would, but that's just not a play that happens that often. It's not realistic to expect that every single time. Yeah. So it's a little give and take there for sure. Um, either way, the abs are going to need more goal scoring out of McKinnon down the stretch here. I, I do really think so. The depth can only take them so far, especially with these injuries that they're dealing with right now. So hopefully he gets it a little bit more sorted out, but we're going to end the first period of questions here, which means it's time to let you guys know about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They make dozens of beers, probably two dozen, maybe even, I don't, I don't know the exact number, but they make a ton of different beers. And if you're looking for a specific one, you can find it. If you go to their website and go to their Breck beer locator, they will tell you where to head to purchase whatever type of Breck beer that you're looking for. They make a ton of awesome ones. I always switch around what my favorite is, but if you're looking for one that is more of a cider almost technically it's a beer but the colorado core has that crisp apple flavor as well aj doesn't like it but but i do so i'm a big fan of it and he can stick to his strawberry sky you know maybe if you're local you can head on down to davidson's and pick one up there why you gotta take the side swipe at me like that about me not liking it because it's good you should like it all right fair enough i mean just you're a slacker when it comes to liking beers. That's all I'm saying. Yes. You have your very specific tastes. It's very true. It's it's. I'm by far at my pickiest uh, when it comes to the alcohol that I consume. So there you go. Even AJ can find alcohol he likes from Breck Brew. Give it mm-hmm. a shot. We will be back in a second. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. Our next question comes from J-Law. It's kind of a two-part question. Do you think that Valerie Nachushkin has become the Avs' best defensive forward, and how much of his improved defensive play can be credited to the Stars' ability to teach defense and systems? Uh, yes, he's their best defensive forward. Okay. I, I saw all your charts you were posting the other night, and they are pretty impressive when it comes to that defensive zone for Nachushkin, rivaling some of the best defensive forwards in the league. Yeah, I was curious uh, after the game last night. I was I was actually talking to, I was showing Evan some of them before uh, we left the arena, and then I just kept kind of digging in a little bit further, and I was like, huh. I mean, I was kidding about the Selkie stuff, but wow. Like, he's, he's defensive impacts truly, I mean, they are legitimately elite. And I mean, some kind of reference there up until the last game and a half or so, he doesn't go up against top uh, competition. He's not Bergeron trying to shut down the McKinnons of the world every night. True. But nonetheless, he's still incredibly effective at his job. What was a couple of games ago, his Corsi four was like 23, four, one against or something absurd. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's crushing it right now, uh, and that's why we're seeing him get promoted up the lineup the way that he has been, is because he's combining the good defensive play with uh, working hard and chipping in enough offense uh, that he's earned that job. Yep. and In a, in a top six with, you know, with two top six forwards, two like established top six forwards, you know, there's a job opening there. So he's just walked right in and taken it. So how much of this defensive side is just Val? Because, you know, I don't want to put too much of a stigma stigma on the KHL, but guys don't go over there to get better at their defense. We'll put it that way. 
and he's come back and is did Dallas help him here or is this the ab systems where he's really flourishing on the defensive side no i this is who he is uh if you go back and you actually go through his careers or i'm sorry his career he's only had one um you'll see that he's always been a a, a good defensive player and that the defensive impacts have always been uh in his team's favor with him on the ice uh, this is just who he is uh, I, you know, obviously playing in the heavily defensive system in Dallas last year probably was a little more tailor made to what he should have been good at. I don't know where the, the disconnect ultimately ended up, uh, why he didn't put in the work the way that he has here in Colorado, uh, but he has here and they've rewarded that he broke through and has figured out uh, the day to day and how to be successful. And the abs end up with a player that they didn't know they had. All right. I hard to argue with that. Definitely someone we've considered a successful reclamation project at this point, which brings us to our next question. John asks, do you think this summer the team should take on another reclamation project like Nachushkin with the number of prospects coming through the pipeline? And this is something AJ and I actually talked about a little bit the other night off podcast of course where there's just no way they can uh with what martin cowd is doing right now uh, there's no room yeah and like part of our frustration with the nichushkin sighting was like hey he's gonna you're gonna put a body another body in front of these guys to get opportunities um and that was assuming that he wasn't going to be successful now that he has been you're just like well okay and we're kind of seeing that numbers game play out right now, especially with the addition of Nemesnikov at the deadline. You know, when these guys all get back to health, there's a very real conversation. You're you're scratching one of Kaut or Jost or Nieto or Kamenev. <laughs> like I mean, you're scratching two of them. Like you're you're scratching guys who have been quality NHL players for you. Yep. And when you get into the summer and you say, okay, who's not coming back? You know, you can let Nieto go. He's a UFA. You can let Nemesnikov go. He's a UFA. You let Colin Wilson go just because I'm being thorough here. Um, after that, though, you know, all these other guys, uh, you're still having these conversations. Jost, Nachushkin, Kamenev are all RFAs. So they're all easy to retain if they want to. Now, yep. we've gotten to the point with Kamenev where I may not do that. Especially after that last game where he played less than six minutes and Bednar just benched him, essentially. Well, and yeah, and he has not played well in the last week, really. Yeah. Um, it was got the assist for putting the puck on net, did a good job. Kudos for that. Um, that is definitely one thing that he is not shy about doing when he is on a power play is he will go bombs away. He has no problem pulling the trigger, shooting the puck. Also cost the abs a goal with a terrible back check in that game though. So, yep. So give and take. And when you play five and a half minutes of ice time, um, that's a you, lot of up and downs. I was going to say, you can't, cannot be that high event. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, even when you let those guys go, you're still talking about you're bringing Jost back. Like, they're not going to just not qualify Tyson Jost. Get out of here with that. Martin Cowett is, is proving that he needs to, at at absolute minimum, he needs to be a tip-top contender for the roster in camp next season. Yeah. You know, unless something goes terribly wrong, that's yeah. a guy who's looking like he should be an NHL starter. Right. Like, realistically, we're talking, hey, after four games, it's looked very good. Uh, You would like to keep him. But, you know, things being what they are, blah, 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 blah. Like, let's just leave open the possibility that he goes back down, finishes the year in the AHL with the Eagles, and opens up next uh, training camp next season as a roster maybe. One of the guys pushing for the, you know, the 12, 13, 14 sure. forward spots. Okay. Yeah. Um, for this, for the sake of this argument, I'm going to take Kamenev out of there just for right now. 
because whether it's not giving him a qualifying offer or giving him sending him somewhere to give him a little bit more of an opportunity i i think that it's reasonable to expect that he's not back next year well and i mean we haven't even mentioned shane bowers as well in this and this is where i'm getting to right yeah. now is that you have shane bowers pushing um and looking like he's going to push for a job and then you have hey if they go out and they get another legitimate top 6 forward to drop into this lineup and totally solidify it that just knocks everybody else just down one more peg and then you're looking at next year having a, a bottom 6 with Donskoy and Comfer and Belmar and Calvert and Nachushkin and Jost and Kaut and you're and where's where's the room i've already run out of room i'm i've already into a, one healthy scratch here it, so, it, we talked about it at the deadline the same way, where the abs just don't have the room to go out and get bottom six forwards anymore. Right. And like you go out and you get a this all this all ties back into do they go after another reclamation project? Something that they have done a ton of basically every year. Well, they're going to be in a position this summer that they've not been in before. So let's see what they do. Um, but I don't know that there would be adequate room for that. And I don't know that Val Nachushkin being successful when the last seven reclamation projects weren't is a good enough argument to say, well, they, you should just trust that they do it, uh, that they, that they, that they'll get the right guy. Well, and the abs are at a point here where their prospect pool is much deeper and much better than it's been in a long time. Right. And you take a look at Val Nachushkin's absolute ceiling here is a very strong defensive player that's maybe a 35-point-a-year type guy. Right. That's still a bottom six player. Right. And you look at a Martin Kaut and you look at a Shane Bowers and that guy can absolutely give you that. So why go out and get one outside the organization when you already have one that can be that for you within it that is also young and has upside? Yeah, and you're, I mean, we're saying, you know, uh, Nachuchkin on a 36 point pace right now. One, we need to see if he can do it again. Yep. Like that, uh, that's a fair, that's fair. I think that that's perfectly fair to say, go and do it again. Go and prove this again. Um, 100%. Yeah. Because that's, if he scores 36 points this year, that's one point shy of what he had produced in the NHL and KHL combined the last two seasons. So I think it's fair to say we want to see this again. It would also be a career high for him in any pro league. So I, I think that it's fair to say he needs to do that again, but it's, it's when you're looking at another reclamation project, you're saying, okay, if everything goes very, very well, this is what we get. We get another Val Nachushkin. We get another 36-point guy. If you don't have faith that your guys like Bowers or Kaut can provide that for you, then you should not be making them untouchable in trades. Very true. So that's kind of where it's at. It's The Avs need to stop hedging their bets in that regard, I would say. Yeah, and like they have the depth because they found Nachushkin this year. They do now have that depth. They do now have that extra guy. You know, you look, where would they be without without Nachushkin's emergence this season? You know, we we don't we don't really know. We don't know if somebody else might have stepped up. Maybe, maybe Martin Kaut would have gotten a call up in December and would have been running away with it, and this isn't even a conversation anymore. We don't know. We don't know what that universe looks like, but we know what this one looks like, and it's the one where he did step up and he did earn a job. And because he is an RFA, he is he is very easy for them to keep next season, and they don't need to make some big commitment to him because he he should have to prove it again. Yep, I think it's perfectly fine. You give him a one year deal, and he'd be an RFA after that as well. So you do the same thing that you're going to do with Tyson Jost. Yep, one more year, prove it again, or in Jost's case, prove it in the first place. But <laughs> fair. Um, so yeah, I think we pretty thoroughly answered that question. We can, uh, move on to another one here. Kind of 
similar type of thing. We get this question a lot. We've answered it a few times, but I do think there is a little bit of a different feel to it post-trade deadline. The Evs haven't moved anyone. Sly asks, who can they lose in the expansion draft right now? I know, I know that you get this question a ton, but there, this is a new world for the Avs where they have not traded a Nikita Sidorov. They have extended Pavel Fransos. Yeah. So the look is a little bit different there on the expansion draft side. Um, it a little bit, yeah. Um, we have we have one extra little with the Fransos extension. Uh, we have one extra piece of information that we didn't have probably the last time we tackled this. Um, so we're we're still looking at a seven three one realistically yeah, for Colorado, for sure. not an eight skater. They're not going to protect four defensemen and leave. Honestly, you know, you're you're going to leave Burakovsky or something exposed. I, you're not going to do that. I think eight skaters is just incorrect. Like, even if you have an extremely good defense, I don't see how you're getting value there. Well, you look at what Minnesota did in the last expansion draft because they were so insistent that they keep that defense together. Uh, they, I believe they gave up a first round pick and they gave up Alex Tuck. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is that's uh, what you and, had... or I'm sorry, it was Eric Howla and Alex Tuck. Like they gave up two fifty point players. Two guys who had I should say two guys who had fifty point seasons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what you end up giving up when you protect eight skaters. Yeah. It's the the bending over backwards and have to protect at all costs um mentality. The we absolutely cannot afford to let this happen. You're gonna lose somebody. You're gonna lose somebody good. Um if you're a good team, you're a deep team, like the one Colorado was built, you're going to lose someone. And that's just reality. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll just run through this right really quickly again. Um, McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kadri, Burakovsky. That's five. Yep. All definitely going to be protected. Yep. And this, again, this is before any off season moves this is before anything else happens. Um, in the in the unlikely event that Joe Sakic does absolutely nothing all summer, right? <laughs> um, so there's those those five guys, and then you're talking about some combination of Comfer, Donskoy, Nichushkin, yeah, maybe like a Calvert or something, right? Like maybe Calvert as guys that then you're talking about protecting. Yep. You know, if he re-signs this summer and, you know, plays very well and whatever, whatever, maybe you're having the, the Nemesnikov conversation. Like, maybe. But that's requires several things to happen in his, fa- his favor to, to get to that point. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the forward group that you're looking at right now. If they were, if they just really didn't want to give up the young player for nothing, maybe Jost. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I, at this point, I, he'd have to be, have a real good next season, right? I would way. be, I would be very hard pressed to believe that that's an option for right now, but maybe. Um, and then on defense, assuming, and and I'm not going to assume anything with Eric Johnson and his status. So it's Eric Johnson, Kale McCarr, and Sam Gerrard get protected. Well, yeah. If EJ's not waving, it's a very, very easy three right. on the defensive and, side. And if he and if he does wave, then you're basically choosing between Zadorov and Graves. And for me, I'm taking Graves. Sure, whichever one you want to keep or expose, it's whatever. Right. Um. And then on a goaltender, if if it's today, if you're because again because we're answering this question today, I'm protecting Grubauer. But yep. I will leave the door open that Frankie takes his job in the next month. And if he takes his job and he never looks back, then great. Protect him. Then that's what happens. And then we go through all of next season and Frankie still has the job and he's still the man. Then you just protect him. Yep. It's that simple. Uh, But for right now, um, I'm just going to go with where I still feel that Grubauer is the better of the two. Um, And that's it. That's the, he's the guy that I would protect. And if I'm Seattle, I really don't know who I would prioritize. They're gonna have a good offer. They're gonna have a good option at forward defense and goaltender from Colorado, and they can only take one. Yep, 
And if you're Colorado, you say, just take one and we'll deal with whichever one you yep. take. hundred percent. That's exactly how you do it. You don't mess around with, oh, well, we should trade picks to protect this guy. You know, hey, if they if they're willing to take like a fourth round pick to not take Ryan Graves, I might be open to that. <laughs> That's you're getting some value there, maybe. But right, but like uh, uh, the first or a second, like as we saw with Vegas, it was all first and second round picks. Yep. You know, uh, and the teams that didn't have very good options, like what was it the there were there were a couple of trades where it was like, hey, we're gonna trade you like a late round pick to take this guy that you're not gonna sign because you don't want him, and we right. don't want to take anyone off your roster anyway. So it's just like whatever, it's a free pick for us. And yeah, you guys get to choose. Like Colorado will not be in that position. No, they're, they're, they're too going good to be exactly. They're gonna they're gonna have too many good oper- too many good options available uh, for Seattle to pick from. Um, I would draw the line at probably a third round pick would be the highest that I would give up to try and protect someone. And I don't even know which guy, I mean, again, we're a year, we're a year plus out from having that conversation realistically. Yep. So we don't know what happens next season, who breaks out, who struggles, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're real tired of having this conversation, which we will undoubtedly be next yeah, year. It's already it's already like a li- just a little like frustrating just because we just we don't know what's going to happen in the future, you know? Yep. Like we just don't know. So Man, our job would be so easy if we did. Right. Like if we could answer this question definitively and be like, "Well, here's what the roster is going to be." You know, I mean, you look at just the guys who were on from deadline to deadline last year, you know, Donskoy, Burkovsky, Nemesnikov, Belmar, O'Connor, Kaut, Nachushkin, those guys were not on the team last year. Yep. That's just a you know, that's that's just the forward core, you know, Kadri, uh the hurt guy who wasn't here last year. It, you know uh, their starting goaltender right now was in the AHL last season. Yep. So, you know, there's there's tons of opportunity and possibility of roster turnover. I don't think there will be a lot because this roster is pretty locked in, but there's enough for me to be uncomfortable making like a strong statement about any of that for sure. So we can wrap up that. Uh, if Francois does become the starter, AJ, what would it be? <sighs> We've got to work on this game changing uh, transition of your, yeah. the, the, the alley oop is You're getting tired of it. I feel All like, right. I feel like we're stocked into Malone at this point. Like everyone else is over it. I mean, we enjoy doing it. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll see. We can come up with something else, but I think we got to work on that transition. Yeah, slackers. Uh, anyway, Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD enriched coffee, which you can now purchase in K cups, whole bean, or ground, whichever suits your fancy. You can order online and get it shipped to you extremely quickly. You can even try it in local places around Denver, including Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip Denver, Slow High Coffee, Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. CBD is not psychoactive, and it can help with long-term migraines, decreased anxiety, arthritis, IBS, and many other things as well. Plus, you can use code DNVR20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire purchase. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and get better transitions. We will be back in a second. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson, still with Rudo and AJ. This next question comes from George. Shout out Symbiotax. Do you think NHL teams will start carrying a third goalie paid by the team instead of the e-bug situation? Obviously, with Ayers winning the game over Toronto, this is a big conversation around the league right now because, of course, it is because it happened to Toronto. Uh, AJ, what are your thoughts on on the future of this type of situation happening? Uh, I really don't have an issue with it, uh, as is, just because we're talking what it's happened twice in, like, like ever that these guys have suited up and actually gone into games. Right. And they've, they're 100% win rate. So, so, and not even just that, but I mean, we're talking how many games get played in a season. Uh, how long has this been around? Like this, this is just, is not, it's yeah. not a, it's not a thing. I, I would say the only, the only thing that I would change about it is what they get paid, man. 
Right? They what? deserve, like, straight-up real NHL salary money. <laughs> yeah, you take whatever the minimum is, whatever whatever the minimum salary in the NHL is uh, at that that year, and you do, you know, 82 divided by 82, and whatever the one-game check is, if an emergency backup goalie gets into a game, he should get the game check. If all he has to do is suit up $500 and keep the jersey is perfectly cool with me. But... Uh, if he's if got he a actually, yeah. right. If he's going to be in the game and he's going to help decide an outcome, he's an NHL player. He deserves a game check. I'm with you on that. He should, he should get the game check. And I know that those guys, like, it's not what they do it for, whatever, blah, blah, blah. All these changes that they're proposing. It's just not that, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and it's one of the few things that unifies the hockey world. Anytime there's an e-bug situation, the hockey world stops what it's doing and tunes in. Because it's awesome. It is. Uh, we were uh, we were ha- we had our watch party that night. Yep. And uh, I was sitting at home, and I was like, "No, I have to leave to go to this one. I want to watch this." And it was awesome. Like it was. It was one of those things where it was like, "Dude!" And like it brought new people into the game because they'd never heard of this, and they were like, "Wow, that's kind of charming that that hockey has something like this. Maybe I'll check it out." Why? Why? Why mess with something that was universally good for your game? Right. It's the it's the every man dream that some dude in the stands could come into the game. Right. And it's if it was happening more frequently, I would definitely say, hey, like these are competitive games being decided. Like, let's have a real conversation here about teams carrying one and paying for one. And like, you know, like you have like a a, a you guy that's recently out of college or something, you know, you give him a job in your organization and you pay him $60,000 to fly around the team just in case the entire time. Right. I mean, I don't know. Why not just do it like baseball? You blow up your bullpen, put in a a position player. They got a pitch. I I'm also fine with that. Like I have, I have no objections to that approach either. That's totally fine with me. Watching Ian Desmond pitch was awesome. Like, (laughs) I was in the office last week talking to Drew Creaseman and we we brought up the deep cut that was Brent Main pitching for the Rockies. Like they it's always fun. Like when that happens, position players pitching is always a good time, but it always it also happens every year. It's it's something that like is a regular baseball occurrence even if it's not a regular happens to every team every season kind of occurrence. Sure. It happens every year in baseball. Uh, if that if it, if this was that that kind of situation, I would feel that way about hockey. But with the, the I don't I just don't see the problem with the e bug. I would just pay that dude more. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I'm totally fine with the e bug as as well. That would be what twice in how many years? Four or five years? Yeah, it's happened, and that that's literally like ten thousand games of hockey. <laughs> yeah, like it's just not it's not a common thing. So, and also if you're the, the other side of that is if your team, uh, if you're the backup goalie that night and you go into the game, don't go into the corner chasing a puck. What are you doing? Right. You have to not get hurt. (laughs) Be smart because now Carolina is trying to make a playoff run with two AHL goalies. It's true. So it is what it is. I I think the e-bug is awesome and and I'm perfectly fine with it continuing and at least until one of them loses. Just the- just give him an NHL paycheck. Like those dudes are in NHL games. It's insane that they don't get paid. Yeah. That's definitely it. cool with that. Um next question also comes from George because he has good questions. <laughs> uh the NHL and NHLPA are starting to have their CBA talks, and obviously the Olympics is a big sticking point there. For you personally, how does the Olympics stack up against the Stanley Cup? Uh, I wish we could ask for clarification here. Um, I will say this. The Olympics, I go out of my way to watch as many of those games as I can when they happen. Yep. When NHL players are involved, that's not always true of the Stanley Cup finals. There have been years where I've been like, eh. Oh, the Blues are playing the Sharks. I did not I did not watch the Sharks Penguins. Yeah. Uh, I did not watch that series. 
So, well, you know, like the Stanley Cup finals is really like for me, it also kind of depends on how the ab season go where I might just be really burned out and just want to get away from hockey for a bit. For um, sure. It is not. It is not appointment viewing television for me to go out of my way to watch the Stanley Cup Finals. The Olympics absolutely is, but the Olympics is also every four years. It's right. just a, it's a very different thing. Um, and when the NHL players are allowed to go, it's something I have to watch. And I can tell you during the last Olympics, uh, when NHL players did not go, I watched zero seconds of the men's hockey. Yeah, I did. I watched the gold medal game where Germany fell short, and that was it. Yeah, I watched. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I also watched that game. I I watched the end of that game. I didn't even watch all of it. I just watched the end. Um, but I watched most of the women's tournament because it was yeah, the best. The, it was the best of the best. Right. Ex- like, exactly. The fin and the Finnish women were the story of that tournament. They were amazing. And. It was it was best on best, and it ended. You know, Canada and the United States made their way through, and we got we got the the gold medal game that we deserved. Yep. And outside of Germany, nobody else feels that way about the men. Straight up, that, that it feels way better with the NHLers in there because you'll you see things you would never see. You see a Sidney Crosby playing with a Nathan McKinnon. Right, they could realistically roll out Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and Nathan McKinnon on the line. Yep. They could just do that because they wanted to. And it's like, why would you not want that? I don't even I don't even care if if Canada raffle stomps their way to another gold medal. I don't care. I want to see the best on the best. And right. I can tell you when it's a glorified Spangler Cup, I did not care. Me either. If I wanted to watch AHL players, I'd watch the AHL. Like and like, no offense to Carl Stollery and Ryan Stoa and Stefan Elliott, who all got to make great memories there. But I mean, come on. Yeah, that's yeah. not why I'm watching the Olympics. Well, I want to watch the Olympics to see the absolute all the other sports that I go and watch. I'm seeing the absolute pinnacle of those sports. Why is that not true of hockey? Right. So. And I don't it's, want to watch the f- Fregorenko get a gold medal winning point. Right. Like, and like, and it's, 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 I mean, you're talking about the best of the best and it's in the men's hockey in the winter Olympics is like a marquee marketing opportunity for, for both the NHL and the Olympics. It just hurts everybody to not have them there. It's so stupid to not have them there. Well, you get such cool stories to win a team that, isn't a fully stacked squad of NHL players actually wins a game. That's a huge deal for them. The to amazing. overcome that, like the storylines are just so much better in my opinion. Yeah. I'm it's worth watching and it was not. Yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah. Agreed for sure. Would really love to see the NHL come back to the Olympics. It's yeah. I mean, the NHL would shut down for a few weeks. Could you imagine the watch parties that we would have. Oh, they would be nuts. We would be having watch parties for Team USA and everybody would be going bananas. Yeah. Until they, they get crushed five to one by Canada and then we all hate everything. Well, yeah. But I don't like personally, I just love the Olympics in general. Like Dude. I love watching all of the events. So I got so hyped on that curling last I'm cycle. saying it. I'm saying when they so, when the US men won that gold medal, that's one of my all-time favorite Olympic memories. So personally, yeah, for the for the Winter Olympics, it was a whole lot easier, you know, when the NHL stopped. And I was like, all right, cool, there isn't an Avs game during all of these events now. Yeah, right. And there was no like picking and choosing, but it was also like, okay, I can just cut the men's hockey out of like my watching schedule. And I will I will learn all kinds of sports. I got super into the uh the 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 bobsledding and the skeleton and yeah, like, skeleton is so crazy, dude. Man. It's so fun to watch. And like because they did not send NHLers to the last Olympics, they pushed me to watch those things. Right. There were better sports happening at the Olympics than yep. subpar hockey. So yeah. I, I guess with that explains how we feel about it. Bring the NHLers back and, <laughs> and play best on best. 
Um, okay. One or two more questions here. Uh, I guess we already answered that one. Mr. Spencer Spencer asks, how close would you guys say Francois is to taking the full-time goalie job over the next two, three weeks? We, we talked, talked about, about that, that in the first yeah. segment. Uh, Gregory asks, how long do you think the abs can keep this young team together? Uh, it, uh, there aren't any specifics here, so it's hard to, cut off what exactly is qualified as young, but we've talked about extending Landy, McCarr, and Grubauer. The The question where keeping the team together gets hard is when Nathan McKinnon gets his extension and the cap crunch comes in. Yeah, 23, uh, 2023 and 24 season will really be when it gets more difficult to keep some of the band together, but there's no reason the abs should have to make any hard decisions, certainly before then. Um, but there's really no reason that Kale McCarr, uh, Sam Gerard, Bowen Byram are not the foundation of the defense, potentially Connor Timmons as well. But certainly those three are not the foundation of the defense for the next six years. Yep. Give or maybe give or take a few. Um, maybe it's more like eight years. There's no reason. Uh, there's no reason Nathan McKinnon and Nico Rantanen are not the foundation of your forward core for the next six years. Yep. Very straightforward. You're looking at over half a decade of, of the core of this team sticking together. Yeah. Throwing then, a lane extension and, and guys like Newhook coming along to keep them younger. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, Burakovsky's only 25, so realistically – five more years of Burakovsky, you know, JT Confer's already signed for three more years. So maybe a few more years of him too. And then after that, you know, his, his, his contract is up when he's what, 27, 28. So there's yep. realistically that guy could, that guy could re up too. And he could be here forever. And um, I mean, we, you win we, a cup and all of a sudden, a lot of these guys are like, sure, I'll come back. <laughs> well, and, and Landis Cog, you fully expect is going to be one of those franchise forevers for you. Oh yeah. 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 And so, you know, Landis Cog going into his 30s uh, is one of those guys that you just expect will be around forever. Uh, and then whatever whatever young guys break in and stick in, in the forward core, you know, that one's a lot more fluid. But certainly between Burakovsky, Landis Cog, McKinnon, and Rantanen, um, those, guys, those guys should all be here for the next five years pretty easily. And then defensively, all those guys that I mentioned, Eric Johnson's also not likely to go anywhere. Um, so, you know, Eric Johnson's going to be here for a bit. The goalies are a little more up in the air. They, they all they have a lot more to prove. Also, age-wise, they're a little bit on the older side already, um, as goalies tend to be. So, you know, that phase two of this of this could end up being dominated by the new hook Cout, Bowers, Ananin, Branta, Kovalenko type guys, whoever they draft in the first round this year. Yeah. It to stay young, you gotta constantly replenish the youth is kind yeah. of the thing. So it it's hard to say exactly who it will be other than a few core pieces, but at a certain point they're not young anymore and they're still around. Um, not to say that they're bad and, you know, McKinnon is going to be <laughs> insanely good when he's 30. So um, yeah, it, it should be an exciting time though, where the core of this team outside of maybe one or two pieces is very, very set to be very good for a long time. And I don't, I'm looking forward to it, I, I guess. That's all I got, AJ, unless you got something to add on finally. Nope. All right, sweet. Well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here then. As always, thank you guys for bringing in all of your questions. Uh, be sure to hit us up with more. I do check usually an entire week back, if not more. So if you have a question, just throw it on the website, on the podcast post, and we'll be sure to get to it the next time we ask for questions from all of you. Uh, yeah, I guess that's going to do it. We will talk to y'all again tomorrow. 
Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products and everyday low prices as well, such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. If you sign up for their loyalty program, you can get 20% off your entire purchase, and you can get that once every single month. If you're already signed up and you haven't gotten it, just be sure to mention DNBR, and they will get you all hooked up with that they're conveniently located at 9th and broadway and even have their own parking in the back so you can get in and out very quickly and get on with your day just remember when you stop by to get that 20 percent off and sign up for their loyalty program the mbr avalanche with hey police